And welcome in to another episode of Turning the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, with The Athletic, a man who used to have a computer room, and now he has a computer in his pocket. Cody Stavenhagen, how you doing, man? Doing all right. I do have an office. I could call the office the computer room, you know, but that is, you're right, it's an outdated term. We talked about this last week. It's interesting. No one has a computer room anymore. People of a certain age knew exactly what you were talking about when you you were talking with your dad, like the computer room. But I think maybe our younger listeners probably be like a computer room, like a room that just had the computer. <laughs> like you didn't just like take the computer with you to the living room. I mean, it's it's, it's a yeah, it's a completely yeah, the desktop, yeah, you completely know. outdated concept. So the whole family shares one desktop. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's even foreign to me looking back. I was like, wow, that is that is crazy. That's how we used to do things. So It wasn't that no, long it ago. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> we have made it to the All-Star break. Uh, the Tigers still hovering around, you know, 10-ish games or whatever, under 500. Uh, played extremely well since May the 8th. You made it to the All-Star break of uh, your first full season in two years, Cody. How are you feeling? Yeah, I guess. I mean, last year's 60-game season felt like, uh, you know, 260 or something, as I think what Lloyd McClendon said. So, yeah, it's weird to think that this is the uh, first full season in a while. In some ways, it's gone by really fast. I think, as we've talked about before, it's been more entertaining with the Tigers playing better baseball. Coming off a busy week, finishing up a couple cool projects, so excited to... Uh, have the all-star break although the draft it's not going to be like a ton of downtime with the draft coinciding with the all-star break this year but it's been good I think this is uh, definitely probably the most fun the beat has been since since I started on it in 2019. So speaking of the draft we're not going to talk about the draft in this episode because we're going to record a shorter sort of like you know instant reaction type episode immediately after the Tigers select third overall and so we'll avoid draft talk here, and then we'll just give our analysis with that other episode. So be sure to click on that if you want our reactions to the Tigers' first round selection. So for today, given that it's the All-Star break, given you know something you want to shake things up a little bit, I decided why don't we do a little fun game, uh, buy, sell, hold, like like stocks and. It's not an original concept. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I came up with it all by myself because I didn't. But really, nothing's original anymore. Pretty much every movie you've ever watched has some sort of uh, trail back to Shakespeare. Right? You know, the, the four chord song, like every song has the same four chords. Nothing's original, but we can still have a lot of fun with it. So I came up with several concepts, some serious, some not so serious. Uh, I'm going to ask Cody, buy, sell, hold buy you like the concept think it's good sell no i disagree hold we need more information so cody you ready to get going on this let's go right into it yeah let's start with a fan favorite akil badu will be an opening day starter next season 2022 it's not very fun if I just hold right off the bat, but I'm going to hold right <laughs> off the bat. I was talking about this with a friend last night. I think Akil Badu is showing he's a legit major leaguer, not only a legit major leaguer, a productive major leaguer. He's the best player on this team if you if you go uh, by wins above replacement. But when you look at constructing the outfield next year, it's going to get a little bit tricky. In theory, you have Robbie Grossman returning, so he's going to occupy one of your corner spots. I think kind of the big question is who is your center fielder? Is it Derek Hill? Can he hit? Are you getting enough offensive production if your outfield is Grossman Hill, Badu? I think Badu can play some center. I really his defensive metrics are not great right now. I he's gonna have to improve a lot if he's going to be like an everyday center fielder. I think he's better suited for the corners. But even though he had a lot of homers early, he's not really. I mean, his OPS is still great, but I'd like to see a little more slug before we say, okay, we're going to put this guy in left or right every day. You're going to want Riley Green up, if not opening day, pretty early in the season. And then you have Daz Cameron, who's making a nice impression. But I still kind of think, like, if you're trying to make the playoffs or, like, be around 500 next year, set yourself up to be in the playoffs in 2023, 4, 5, 
you kind of need another power bat in the outfield. Or, uh, you know, if you want a center fielder, Jackie Bradley Jr. will be on the market. I, again, like Kyle Schwarber. Maybe, you know, Jock Peterson and Badu, that's two left-handed bats. That would get tricky. It's going to be tough to kind of fit all that in, right? Which is why I kind of think... It's a good thing if Badu is not in your opening day lineup. That means he's starting the year in a pl platoon role, probably because you went out and signed another very productive outfielder. I think we have to see how Badu finishes this season, kind of see what happens with Derek Hill, Daz Cameron, how they fit in the mix before we can really know what the smartest way to construct next year's outfield will be. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning that having Badu as a platoon outfielder is in no way like a bad role or a diminished role on a successful team. I, you know, everybody wants to be the starter. Everybody wants to, you know, play every day and all that stuff. But I, I think a good team having a Badu type player as their platoon outfielder. Uh, I mean, that's how good teams are constructed is having someone of his caliber. If he's not the everyday starter, he could start every day. And so I, I, I do agree that there's a lot, especially with the off season. Some of these are going to be like projections, but that's you know that's the fun of it. It's just sort of like trying to guess and project. So the off season will go a long way for that. Here's one that might be an easy buy, Cody, and uh, it might be outdated by the time this podcast gets published. Uh, Nomar Mazzara experiment is a failure. Bye, poor guy. <laughs> uh, scratched from Saturday's lineup. We're recording this on Saturday with uh, he he's apparently under the weather. I wonder if he'll be under the weather on Sunday, too, because it unfortunately seems like the chances of him breaking with this team after the All-Star break seem slim. I am guessing at this point Derek Hill will assume Mazzara's spot post-All-Star break. There wasn't much point in bringing Hill up for like two, three games right here when he still has like a minor toe injury he's dealing with in AAA. Um that's my hunch, and I, I think even if that doesn't happen, I think uh, Mazar has had a pretty long leash now. It just hasn't quite come together. He started swinging the bat a little bit better, but he's never showed the power they wanted to see from him. He's never pulled the ball, hit the ball in the air the way he needs to. Um, it's kind of sad to see a really talented hitter, a guy who's hit 20 home runs in the big leagues, just not be able to get it together. But it's not working, and I don't think there's much benefit in continuing to um, – try to get something out of it especially when you have other guys such as hill who can contribute and, and benefits the key word there in my opinion uh you could just trot him out there every day and and see what happened but as i said a couple of weeks ago what are we trying to accomplish here if you're the tigers that's what we got to ask what are we trying to accomplish here and he's on a one-year deal you got guys that you gotta know if they can play and have earned the right and we'll get to that in a second have earned the right to to get uh, to log innings at the major league level i just don't know what it really accomplishes to just keep mazar out there i maintain that that's was a good signing in terms of a worthwhile gamble uh with mazara you he's still relatively young he has a tool that you know can pop it just hasn't it's not and when I say like it's a failure, it's a failed exper it's a it is a failed experiment, but it doesn't mean it was like a bad endeavor to go down. I think it was a fine enough gamble. It just didn't work out. That 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 that's how it goes sometimes. So on that note, Derek Hill has earned the right to spend the rest of the season with the major league team. Buy, sell, hold. Yeah, bye. I think we just talked about it. There's a strong chance he's up really soon. He had a two-homer game in, in AAA the other night. First time he's done that as a professional, I believe. So uh, he's been hitting as well as ever at the AAA level and showed he can find ways to impact the game in the big leagues. I don't think he's ever going to be um, a great or maybe even average major league hitter, but he's a premium defender. It's been fun watching him play when he was up. Um you know, toward the end of June, he can do some things on the base paths. I think, uh, absolutely, I think he's a, he makes a lot more sense than Mazzara at this point. Um, yeah, let's see Derek Hill for, for the rest of the year. Why not? And then again, you kind of need to see Derek Hill for the rest of the year because you need to determine what does your outfield look like in 2022. I think a lot of that hinges on, do you want Derek Hill on that roster? How can Derek Hill play center field every day or be 
you know, be in a four or five man outfield? I think you need to answer that question before you can go into the offseason. In order to answer that question, we need to see a little more Derek Hill. And to sort of put a bow on uh, on major league outfielders, the the book is closed on Jacoby Jones and Victor Reyes being serious players for the Tigers. When I say serious players, I mean like getting innings to like earn a role as opposed to like I imagine we might see them as like injury replacements or something. But the book is closed on them having serious roles for the Tigers. Yeah, I would say bye. I uh, would be kind of surprised if we ever see Jacoby Jones again unless injuries really ravage the outfield. I wouldn't be shocked if he, uh, I think a change of scenery might do him good this offseason. Reyes, I think there's a chance we see him in the bigs again this year. I mean, maybe even him instead of Hill for, for Mazar if the Tigers want a little more offense or if there's another injury. I think we could see Reyes. But especially since A.J. Hinch has taken over, we talked about it in spring training. This like myth of Reyes being something more than he's not is has kind of been dispelled. He's going to chase a lot. He's not going to walk. He's not going to hit for power. He can be a somewhat useful and productive outfielder. I wouldn't be shocked to see him uh, play a couple more years at the major league level somewhere in the league or maybe even be an up-and-down guy for the Tigers going forward for, for a little bit. But the idea that Reyes is going to be a real factor into the future, I think uh, the organization seems to be moving on from that idea. Like we just talked about, the outfield's getting a little crowded. And if you want to get better, you need to add better players. You don't need to keep giving opportunities to Victor Reyes. All right, let's go to a former outfielder. Buy, sell, hold. Austin Jackson as the radio color commentator. Ooh, ooh. We're going to hold. Uh, Jim Price is still in this role. He's uh, He is not retired yet. He's not traveling. Um, you know, Jim is getting up there in age. It seems like the uh, they've been having, you know, kind of some trial runs with Lloyd McClendon, with Austin Jackson, with some other people in the booth when the Tigers are on the road. I enjoyed Austin Jackson's commentary. I would rank him above uh, Lloyd McClendon. I think Dan Petrie's still my guy, whether it's TV, radio. We got to get Dan Petrie on the broadcast every day somehow because he's really good. He did the TV call Friday night, and uh, just watching him break down the way Matt Manning was pitching was uh, some of the best work I've seen by any Tigers broadcaster in a while. So if I had to hire anyone for that job right now, it would be Dan Petrie. But I think Austin Jackson would be do a suitable job as well. The best part of any tigers tv broadcast is when they bring dan on if he's in the rotation for like what the Mm -hmm. sixth inning seventh inning whatever that is uh he is he's gold i mean he's absolutely gold i mean i i think he elevates shep to be honest Mm -hmm. and and so like i i would very much be in favor i i liked austin a lot on on the uh, radio and 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 you know you know me i'm a i'm a sucker for broadcast i kind of pay attention to that more than than the average uh average sports viewer and i there is a little bit of a different style with tv and uh and radio especially for play-by-play people but color commentary as well i thought austin fit in really well uh doing doing the radio and and if dan is more of a tv guy at this point if that's what he's more comfortable with i think that would make for a uh, a great broadcasting combination to have austin jackson on radio and and Petrie on um, on uh, on the on the television broadcast, and and this is not anything against Jim Price. This topic It's just that you know he's not traveling, so other guys have you know gotten a shot, and I thought Austin did a good job. Uh, hey, you probably need a former player, a big name, but I'm available too. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you you're doing audio experience on the reg right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying Cody Stamen <laughs> There we go. Audio we career. Go. <laughs> All right, buy, sell, hold. Miguel Cabrera plays out his contract. Oof, always a sensitive discussion. Uh, I'm going to have to sell. I still don't know exactly how it ends or when it ends. Miguel has actually been hitting the ball pretty well over the last couple months, but he's a DH first baseman who eh, doesn't slug a whole lot more than Harold Castro at this point. Um, The idea that you're going to get two more years out of him just seems pretty hard to fathom that's again assuming he stays healthy I think you let him get to his milestones which 
Might end up being a close call if he gets to 3,500 this year. I can see it kind of coming down to the wire a little bit at this pace. Um, I kind of think at some point next year, again, if you're really serious about getting competitive, uh, it might be time to hopefully reach a mutual and graceful agreement to uh, to have Miguel Cabrera move on. Hopefully not uh, in the way things went down with Albert Pujols in Anaheim. Uh, Pujols, who kind of held his own with the Dodgers a little bit. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, I don't see I don't see Miggy finishing out the deal. I think it's just too far into the future. Not trying to you know drag a man or anything, but every now and then I have to remind myself like how long that contract is and I look it up and I just go Whew, every <laughs> every, t- every single time and uh, unfortunately a facet of sports is that legends and their teams don't tend to break amicably basically never it basically almost never happens I mean Tom Brady you know, get get gets the hell out of New England. Uh, Brett Favre did this with the Packers. Uh, Joe Montana played for the Chiefs. You mentioned Albert Pujols. Uh, Babe Ruth played for the Boston Braves. Uh, Ty Cobb played for the Athletics. I mean, these things they they tend not to end with the uh, storybook ending. So it kind of feels inevitable. Hopefully, like you said, it's like a mutual decision. It, obviously, with it being Cabrera, it's a little bit hard to uh, to get a read. But Real quick, Kieran, just for some perspective. Sometimes we still see Miggy and we watch Miggy, and you know, especially when he's hitting the ball well, it's like, oh, this guy can still be a pretty productive hitter. you got to keep in mind, first base, DH, premium power positions, um, especially when you dig into the, the metrics. He has a 355 slugging percentage. That is the lowest of his career by quite a fair margin. 82 weighted runs created plus. He is 18% worse than the average major league hitter. And he is worth negative 0.6 wins above replacement right now. Uh, he has not been worth more than 0.7 wins above replacement since 2016. Especially if you want to get serious about contending, that's just not going to work. Speaking of power, Eric Haas will hit 30 home runs in 2021. Or if you want, 2022. Either one. He's got, uh, just to recap, he's got 13 in 42 games. Uh, I'm going to have to sell it. I like Haas. He's been a fun story to follow. The idea that he's going to hit 17 homers in the second half. Seems like a stretch. I think his power is real. He has a tremendous record of hitting for power uh, at the minor league level. Now, we've already seen him, you know, kind of hit a slump in terms of hitting for average. I think, you know, the idea that Haas kind of keeps this up just seems a little bit far-fetched to me. I know some Tigers Twitter like to start latching onto the idea like, oh, is this guy J.D. Martinez? You know, just this diamond in the rough. <laughs> I don't think Eric Haas is going to end up being a, an American League MVP candidate. Uh, it, it's cool to see the Tigers get some production out of him. I think we're going to talk about this topic soon, but it creates an interesting discussion with what do you do at the catcher position next year? Um, I But I can't totally buy Eric Haas as a 30 homer hitter this year and fun as he's been I, I'm not at all ready to say he's he's a part of the future going forward well let's go into that right now the Detroit Tigers will not sign a veteran catcher for the 2022 season like Tough a Ramos ball, and, yeah. a, and a and a um, oh my god what's the the names escape me from uh, Romine to, Romine thank you Jesus uh, will not sign a one-year veteran catcher type deal for the for the 2022 season yeah i'm gonna have to hold on this one for now it's a another tough call i think jake rogers is beginning to show that he's a really good defensive catcher and if he can at all maintain this level of offensive production he's a guy you want on your ball club uh haas like i said we're still kind of trying to figure out how much of that is for real and how much isn't you got dylan dingler who could be pressing for a job perhaps early next season uh, we're going to go into this too, but I believe catchers just take longer to develop because there's so much that goes into the nuances of the position, especially defensively. I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him on a little slower than Torkelson and Green next year. Um, 
But if you want Dingler up and you have Rodgers, okay, if you sign a veteran, then Haas is kind of on the inside looking out, then outside looking in, then what do you do with Dingler? As it stands right now, I think maybe you sign a vet, a Dustin Garneau type on a minor league deal. He's there if you need him. Maybe he even contends for a roster spot in spring. Um, but I do know AJ Hinch values catchers. There's some guys out there, Travis Darnot, um, Alex Avila will be a free agent once again. Let's see who else we got. You know, some of it is kind of the same catching market that gets recycled over and over. Um, so that's worth taking into consideration. I think we have to hold. I think a lot of it will depend on Haas and uh, and also how Dingler performs in the second half of this season. Let's go right into Jake Rogers then. Jake Rogers is reaching his potential. Buy, sell, hold. I'll buy with an asterisk. It depends how you define his potential. There yeah, was a time. Define that, it how you want. Right. There was a time two years ago his potential was like the catcher of the future, like gold glove winner. Like I don't know that that's actually his potential. If his potential is being a major league baseball player, like I just said, he's showing he can do that. He's showing he can be a really good defensive catcher. He's hitting just enough to to um, stick around. And he has some improved plate discipline, and he has a little bit of pop in the bat. Um, I think we're starting to see it shape up as he's probably not an everyday catcher. He's probably a great defensive number two or like a platoon, a platoon catcher. And I think that's that in itself is pretty good for the organization, especially if you really believe that Dingler is your guy now. Uh, so I'm going to buy that Jake Rogers has a legitimate future. His defense is just too good to deny that. Uh, now, his potential as being like one of the top 10 catchers in the league, like I would sell that idea. Okay, okay. And just along those same lines, I didn't have this written down, but we might as well kind of put it out there. Uh, Grayson Griner goes the way of Jacoby Jones and Victor Reyes. Uh, yeah, he goes to, uh, yes, he's bye-bye Grayson. Or maybe he sticks around if, you know, sometimes guys can do that and he can be in AAA. It's kind of up to Grayson what he wants to do. Maybe he can seek an opportunity elsewhere, but I think we've seen about the last of Grayson Griner as a Tiger unless injuries make things really, you know, really tricky. Buy, sell, hold... Hiring A.J. Hinch was the best move Al has made heading the Tigers. Ooh, the people are going to like this one. Uh, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. If you look, you know, of course, Al's made some moves that didn't work out. Uh, the the uh, Wilson and Alex Avila trade for Paredes and Candelaria was a pretty good trade. Taking Akil Badu in the Rule 5 draft was a terrific move. You could argue just building up... Uh, the infrastructure, hiring Jay Sartori to run the an- analytics department or drafting Tarek Skubal, you know, was a, in the ninth round was a really good move. But in terms of big picture impact, the thing that's going to change a franchise, it looks like uh, the A.J. Hinch hire is going to have more impact than any, maybe even one, any player could, than any personnel move could. Again, it was probably a pretty easy call and you got a big favor from the Chicago White Sox when they hired Tony La Russa. But good for Al for being aggressive. He called AJ, you know, 30 minutes after the end of the World Series, and they went after AJ pretty hard, and they also convinced him um, to take the job in Detroit, sold him on the farm system, brought him in, seemed to have given him a lot of leeway, a lot of say, and that's made quite the difference so far throughout the first half of this season. I think it will continue to pay dividends going forward. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's going to be viewed as one of the more impactful moves you know, in the last couple of decades of Tigers baseball, for sure. Sticking with A.J. Hinch, buy, sell, hold. A.J. Hinch runs a toxic program, and that's why coaches keep leaving to take college baseball jobs. <laughs> uh, I'm going to sell this. I, I would like to think if that were the case, we would hear more whispers about it. I think uh, it's not like these guys left, you know, to make lateral moves or to go coach in the minors. Trey or uh, Jose Cruz Jr. and Chip Hill didn't just take college jobs. They went to their alma maters. You know, everyone's alma mater holds a special place in their heart. They had a chance to be the head coach at the program that kind of made them and shaped them a pretty rare once in a lifetime type opportunity. 
So uh, I, I can't really blame those guys for taking the job. It's kind of crazy that the Tigers lost two assistants in the middle of the season to college head coaching jobs. That's also a sign of how, how good this coaching staff was, though, that you had guys who were getting called about those jobs. It was kind of weird seeing George Lombard as like the third base coach. I went to the Tuesday game, Texas uh, versus the Tigers. It was, it was strange to see him out there uh, coaching third base. And I think Austin Jackson had said this on uh, on the radio broadcast for one of the games. You know, that's that's not, you know that's not the easiest role to kind of get thrown into because you know there's a lot that you got to judge. You have a certain style. I think I think Chip would get further down the line than George was initially. Like there's some nuances there that could you know cost your team a game or cost them runs if you. Um, aren't used to kind of doing that full time. Like you think third base coach, you know, no big deal. But that's you know a pretty. It, it, I I think I think it's a huge deal, and there's a lot that goes into it. Not just like is this guy fast or not. Yeah, no, that's what AJ Hinch said. He kind of likes Lombard in that role and doesn't think it will take away from you know his future of becoming a manager because the third base coach is the only other coach that makes a decision in the middle of the game. You know, um, good point. So so he has to do that to hold or send the runner. Um, he's also relaying signs. There's a lot that goes into the third base coach job. I'm sure it's not easy to balance while also being the bench coach, but another thing AJ pointed out, Jim Lamont and Jim Leland did that for, uh, for, for many a year and worked out just fine. Um, it sounds like the Tigers might not add to the coaching staff and Lombard is going to continue to do this throughout the second half. They're going to meet a little more about that over the all-star break, but sounds like they're probably just going to leave George in that role. Uh, I think that leads to another interesting question. If you were to ask me, George Lombard gets hired for a MLB manager job this next offseason, I would say I'd buy it. Kind of depends how many jobs open up and what jobs open up. But it's going to come soon. This guy is going to be a manager, if not this next year, then in the next couple of years. Um, so for as amazing of a job as A.J. Hinch did building this coaching staff, he's going to have multiple roles to fill maybe even have to fill that bench coach role this offseason. That that could get a little tricky. Well, one of the things that every good business manager, head coach, baseball manager does, they got to have a Rolodex of names that, yeah. you know, that they can they can call up and go to if they got to, you know, pr- you know, hire somebody or promote within. Uh it very well could be a very busy offseason for AJ just assembling his staff again. So that a little bit of an underrated thing to look at because we don't talk about that in baseball as we do football and you don't really talk about it all that much in basketball either but that's a vital part of, of heading a program for sure oh here's a good one Kieran would you buy that the Tigers will uh, announce a coaching hire during your bachelor party at the end of October when I am not trying to be <laughs> I'm gonna buy that. I think. I think. I think it's gonna, it's gonna happen. happen. Right? We're gonna be in the same location. We're gonna be probably on Twitter in between uh, various activities of choice, and we're gonna be like, "Oh man, the Tigers just brought back Gene Lamont to be the bench coach." Gene <laughs> Lamont. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Maybe we'll just pull the phone out and just do a do a live a uh, live voice memo and and just send that out there. I think that people would like that. I think that people would would like a bachelor party break podcast. Uh, they would probably highly enjoy it. Yeah, that might be our most listened to episode. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go to another fun one. Uh, buy, sell, hold. Zach Short starts at shortstop. Opening day, two thousand twenty-two sell please Let's, I, I hope not and that's nothing against Zach Short I love Zach Short as a player I hope he is a utility guy uh, for several years into the future um, he's been really tested at shortstop he, he, people have almost knocked his glove a little bit he's been the guy who's uh, made some great plays and struggled with the routine plays a little bit but this guy's footwork his action he's going to be fine long term at short uh, strikes out a lot. He's, he's really a three true outcomes guy. Strikes out a lot, walks a lot, has a little pop. I think that's just going to be the reality of his profile. As a result of that, he's not the guy you need as your everyday shortstop. If Zach Short is your starting shortstop uh, next opening day, you have a big problem. That means you not only did not sign Carlos Correa or Trevor Story or whoever, 
That means you didn't sign anyone to be your shortstop, and that uh, that would be highly concerning and problematic, in my opinion. Him or Nico? Who who would you, who have you had to choose? Uh, Zach Short. Zach Short. So what does that so what does that say about buy sell hold? Nico, good drums, Nico, roll on this team. Nico might be uh, going, you know, going out to the pasture with Grayson and Jacoby and and the kind of that crew from the. Ron Gardenhire era. Uh, I think Nico's another guy who could maybe have a future as a utility guy somewhere else, but his bat has really just gone very silent. Um, his defense and short hasn't been, again, I think he can still be a good defensive shortstop, but it hasn't been what the Tigers hoped it would be this year. As this roster continues to evolve, as this team tries to get more competitive, it's just tough to see a role for him really beyond this season. All right, well, let's just go right into the the big question of the offseason, buy, sell, hold. The Tigers have shown enough to to ownership to justify some sort of big-ticket spending. Not will, not will ownership do it. The Tigers have shown enough. to the, like, Ownership should be watching this and be like, okay, I, 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 this is worth you know opening up the checkbook for. Big buy. What more could they have showed? I mean, to have two consecutive winning months, uh, I mean, who would have thought, especially after the way things started in April, uh, one of the big questions for the year was senior young pitching develop. Well, Mize and Scooble have come along really nicely. Um, Even Matt Manning had a pretty dang good outing Friday night. He's going to continue getting better. You've seen young guys such as Badu, such as Jake Rogers. Really, most of the guys you've needed to show progress have shown progress. I don't think you could ask much more out of this team right now, at least to end the first half. Now we'll see what the second half holds. There could be more injuries. There could be some guys like your Haas, your Rogers, who kind of regress a little bit. But I think you've shown progress. You've shown you can play a clean, uh, scrappy, winning brand of baseball in Detroit. You've shown that maybe you're not more than getting the rest of your prospects up and adding two or three key pieces from being a pretty good baseball team. I think the onus is going to fall on ownership this offseason to kind of take those final steps to bring this thing together. Speaking of bringing it together, buy, sell, hold, two-thirds of the Torkelson-Green-Dingler combination will be on the Major League roster May 1, 2022. I'm buying it for now. Uh Tempted to hold because I'd like to see how these guys do. Do they get up to AAA this year? But I'm going to buy. Like, Torkelson and Green are really, really legit prospects, and it looks like Dingler is too. Uh, Unless they just hit a major wall this season or early next season, I don't see any reason. I think next year should be almost all about Torkelson and Riley Green. I mean, that they should be your Mize and Scooble of this year. Next year it needs to be like, you see Torkelson and Green establish themselves as major leaguers. Dingler has played so well in the minors. You can throw him right there in the thick of that conversation. As I said earlier, I get the impression he's probably going to be on a little bit slower timeline just because that's often how it goes with catchers. Um, the intricacies of that position it can require so much more work to be able to call a game every day and stuff is it, it will benefit him to probably not get rushed up to the big leagues to have a little more time in AAA, really for the defense and the kind of the behind the scenes stuff more than even the bat uh, but you know i think i think it'll be a real test like are the tigers actually about not manipulating guys service time or or more relevantly like what does the next cba hold in terms of how service time even works uh, but if they're not up opening day, I would expect Torque and Green to be up pretty early next season. I know this is a little bit unfair uh, to you because you don't watch them every day, but based on anything you've been able to glean, buy, sell, hold, Green at center, and Torque third base. Oh, I, I'm going to backtrack real quick. Uh, we're we're going to play to the people here. What if the Tigers have a stellar finish to July? What if in early August they're at 500 and six maybe eight games out of the playoff run and uh torque and green are tearing it up in double a or they've earned a promotion to triple a do you accelerate their timeline do you bring them up because i think they could help now i wouldn't do it and i don't think that's actually going to happen i don't think it's realistic but 
if the Tigers keep playing winning baseball, we're going to start seeing people uh, discussing that. We're going to see some fans calling for it. It's going to be premature. It's going to be premature. But His- hey. Hastiness is the name of Tigers Twitter right now. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. of traction to the whole just bring them up right now uh, thing, which I I don't believe that to be a, a sound strategy. Uh, you still got to keep in mind how young Green is and, you know, we're still at a you know relatively small sample size with Torkelson and the minors in general. And why rush them? Why set them up for fit? Because it's one thing to just rush them to the big leagues. It's another thing to rush them up in the big leagues and throw them in a, it's not a pennant race, but you know what I mean, like a pennant race. You know, just throw them in the middle of a, of a playoff chase. I That might be a little bit too much. We saw how much, we saw when Torkelson was overwhelmed. It didn't happen all that long ago, and it wasn't pretty. So I, I would I would say patience is a virtue and you're not really gonna have to wait all that long. Let the season play out. If these guys if these guys on the major league roster get you in a playoff position, then let them, you know, you know, you know, go with the girl that you you know, go home with the girl that dance you brought to the dance. Well, I was done with the dirtier version. Go home oh, with the girl go that, home. Wow. Right. <laughs> go home go home with the girl that you brought to the dance. Uh, so so you know if they if they get you there then i think you should ride it out so that, that is a fun you know what if that you know i'm not i wouldn't necessarily lay a bet on that but i would i would still i'm not a big service time guy but i think that even i think that would be pretty inexcusable and would set you up for probably more failures and successes in the short and long term yeah, I agree. I don't think it should happen. I don't think it will happen, but uh, catering to the people a little bit. Now, in terms of Torque at third, uh, I'm going to sell. I think if we'll probably see him play a little bit of third base at the major league level, but as we long thought, the roster was always going to shape up where it makes more sense to have him play first base. Uh, the, the Tigers have already started accepting that. He's playing a lot more first in the minors now. Seems like they're kind of grooming him to play first in the big leagues next year. Um, he could probably be a decent-ish third baseman. I don't think he was ever going to be a great third baseman. I think that's the reality. Green and center, I think it, again, kind of depends on your definitions. I think Riley Green's a really good outfielder. He has really good instincts. He covers a decent amount of ground. Comerica Park is a tough center field to patrol I'm going to sell him being an everyday center fielder there, especially when you watch the difference between, say, Derek Hill and Riley Green. You start to get the difference between uh, a, a good outfielder and a great outfielder. I, I think Riley Green might be able to be a great defensive left fielder or maybe even right fielder, depending on his arm. Um, but your your optimal defensive outfield probably has Green at the corners and either Hill or a hill-type defender who can hit a little bit more in center. Let's go to another prospect that gets a lot of attention. And I, I po- I'll pose this, and then I'll have just a basic follow-up question. Roberto Campos? Campos? Robert- Campos. Campos. Roberto Campos is the new fan-favorite prospect in the year 2022. And follow-up question, what is Roberto Campos? Uh, I'd buy it. I buy that he's going to be a fan favorite prospect. I think, you know, with these other guys ascending to the big leagues, his only real remaining competition is probably whoever the Tigers take number three this year. And if it's one of these high school kids, a lot of the Tigers Twitter isn't big on, on these high school kids. Now, Riley Green has shown how quickly that can change, how quickly a young prospect can win over the fan base. But if there's, I mean, I think I think uh, Campos could hold the key to the future in a lot of ways. Like if you need one more real star, if you needed it, it, one more real outfield power type bat, maybe it could be Campos. Now, will he actually be that? I'm going to hold that one because he's like 17 and we just have no idea. Yeah, he homered in his first... Uh, first at bat, you know, down in Lakeland or whatever. He's 17. He's still growing, filling out. Uh, he's never faced real pitching like in his life before. He's got a lot of room to grow. I don't think we can really 
even know what he is. I don't think anyone in the Tigers um, front office or scouting department knows exactly what he is yet. These international signings are all based on projections, which are very difficult. Sometimes you get it right with Miguel Cabrera. Sometimes you sign other guys to a huge bonus and they do nothing. Uh, a lot of people in the Tigers system are also very big on Jose De La Cruz, who has struggled mightily in his first taste of minor league action this far. I think Campos uh, has a lot of potential, maybe the room for a little bit of star power there, but it's just too early to make an actual judgment. Buy, sell, hold, Kansas City barbecue. Sell, <laughs> dry, Texas barbecue, Memphis barbecue. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's like bad, but I'm saying it's grossly overrated. I've been to several of the, the main places you're supposed to go in Kansas City, and I've just I just thought it was very, very average, uh, very average, usually dry sell. All right. Buy, sell, hold. Tarek Skubal is the number one left-hander in this starting rotation. Buy. I don't think that's much of a, a question. The, the competition is is Matthew Boyd. And, uh, yeah, I think Skubal's already shown he's, he's just as good as Boyd, even when Boyd is pitching well. Now Boyd's hurt. He, um, again, had a really good April, not so good after that. He's going to need to get healthy and have a good second half. Um or else he's he's going to be the Tigers front office is going to have to make some tough decisions about do we want to pay Matt Boyd like six million again next season just because he's a good clubhouse guy uh, or could he be non-tendered? I think Boyd's going to have to get healthy and put together some good starts. Otherwise, he, he could be a pretty strong candidate to get non-tendered this offseason. Buy, sell, hold Casey Mize opening day starter 2022. Hmm. Tough question, tempted to hold, but I'm going to buy. I think out of this current crop of guys on the team, he's really asserted himself as as the ace of the staff. The only question would be if the Tigers add a veteran starter, um, and then who is that veteran starter? If they sign Justin Verlander, then Verlander might be your opening day starter. Uh, I think there's a chance the Astros offer JV the qualifying offer, and then you're like, I just don't think he's coming cheap. As nice as a reunion as it would be, I think he's going to want more than a one-year deal. I think it would be a pretty big gamble for the Tigers to go do that. So the deeper we get into this thing, uh, I'm no longer so sure that Verlander's coming here. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Does he really want to take a hometown discount so that that Kate Upton can come back and see her family? Like, I don't know. Um, And there's some other good uh, veteran starters on the market, but I don't see the Tigers really going after quite that tier of guy. I think it'd be a lot of fun to have Casey Mize start opening day, so I'm buying it. Yeah, and it's not like it's hard to sell tickets for opening day. Even the worst teams, you know, sell out opening day. But imagine the excitement, the buzz. You know, you talk about uh, baseball not getting the hype, the buzz. I feel like in Detroit, opening day, Casey Mize, former number one overall pick. People have seen enough of him to, you know, be attached emotionally i think that'd be as uh, as hyped an opening day as you know in normal times i would probably say last year was really hyped just because you know we were you know getting back to normal post pandemic hadn't seen a baseball game in in over a year but uh casey my starting starting the home, maybe at least the home opener i mean that would be as uh as hyped an opening day as the tigers have had in quite some time yeah, and I, I don't think A.J. Hinch is blind to that stuff either. Let's say the Tigers do add a veteran starter. Let's say they add, I mean, I don't even know, Kevin Gossman. Or, you know, I think that's kind of probably more the tier we're talking about. Someone who could still be very good. Uh, but it's like, do you play it safe? Like, oh, let's not put too much pressure on Casey. I don't think that's A.J. Hinch's style. I could see A.J. Hinch looking Casey Mize in the eye and saying, hey, you want to be the ace? You want to be the face of this franchise? Here you go. It's opening day. Here's the ball. Like, show you can handle it. All right. Buy, sell, hold. My, Matt Manning starts 2022 in the starting rotation. Yeah, I buy it. Um, he's clearly shown, even though he had a very good start, you know, last night, he still got away with a couple pitches, had a couple balls that died on the warning track, or it could have turned into a pretty ugly start. He needs to keep developing. He needs to keep honing this slider. Uh, I liked that he used his changeup more. He, he, he's kind of developing on the fly right now, which is tough, even though we saw Mize and Scoobal do the same thing, and it worked 
just fine. I think they were a little more advanced than Manning in that they actually had more than one pitch they could they could fully trust on any given night. But, you know, he'll have a whole offseason, a whole spring to work on this. Things would have to go very poorly for him to not be in next year's rotation. I, I fully expect him to be up uh, probably the rest of this year unless it, he just really falls apart. And regardless, yeah, he's you're going to see Mize, Manning, and Scooble all in next year's rotation. It's going to be pretty fun. Buy, sell, hold. With all this technology we have, buy, sell, hold, being able to correctly identify off-speed pitches. Um, in terms of splitter, changeup, curve, you know, slider, curveball, we always say it's more of a this. It's well, it actually does this. Well, the stat track identifies it as this, but it's actually more of a that. Yeah, I, I would almost sell like the the radar. Like I think the TrackMan and Hawkeye, very useful tools. We know a lot more about the game, a lot more about pitching as a result. But sometimes, like when we start talking about Matt Manning, um like a couple starts ago before he actually started throwing somewhat closer to a slider. Uh, you know, the radar was reading all these pitches as slider. And I was like, that doesn't look like a slider to me. That looks like a very bad curveball. I went with slider and print because now we kind of defer to, oh, well, the radar says this. Um, turns out Matt Manning was just throwing a curveball at that point. So I think a lot of times my eye tends to be more accurate than the radar, although the radar is, is, is also very useful in its own way. Buy, sell, hold. Chris Fetter being the second most valuable addition to the Tigers organization behind A.J. Hinch. <laughs> players players matter, man. Robbie Grossman's been very valuable. Akil Badu has been very valuable. And I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it if Chris Fetter can develop the young trio if he can make guys like joe jimenez better if he can uh you know get stuff out of soto and cisnero he's making multiple players better so i buy it maybe even above aj hinch i think hinch hinch does so much more and and this has a say in personnel matters i'd still rank hinch above it but fetter's been super valuable man he's been everything uh we thought we were getting and it's it's been really cool to see and i think his work is only just getting started as he's able to build kind of his own pitching infrastructure that will probably trickle down uh throughout all levels of the organization in the years to come buy sell hold gregory soto the bullpen arm of the future if we want to use the term closer if we want to use the term leverage guy however you want to define it the pillar of the bullpen of the future tough question I'm actually going to sell, and that's not because I, I don't think Soto's really good and not because I don't think he has a bright future. Especially if we're using the term closer, I'm going to sell. I think if A.J. Hinch ever wants an actual closer, you probably get someone with a little better command, a little more reliability. Soto could be kind of this leverage ace type guy going into the future for sure. I don't really think he's going to get moved at this year's trade deadline. I don't think it would make sense to move a power bullpen piece when that's one of those things you're quite trying to acquire. Uh, but he could also hold a lot of trade value, you know, going into the future as well. I think he probably sticks around. Um, but I don't know. I think his command is always going to be just enough of an issue to maybe keep him from really being you know, the guy, this like bookend closer who the Tigers rely on for the next, you know, four years in the postseason. I don't, I, I think you need to add someone else with a similar arsenal um, who is maybe a tad more uh, reliable to fill that role. And then you have the, that guy and Soto, then you're talking about a good bullpen. Uh, well, on the Soto uh, category, what'd you make of him being the Tigers all-star representative? Uh, yeah, I buy it. I think he is well-earned. I think his numbers are very dominant. I think he brings a, I don't know if he'll actually pitch in the all-star game or not, but he brings a flair that would be entertaining to watch. I think a lot of people nationally still probably don't really know about Soto. So I think it'd be fun to see him go out there with his, his dreadlocks and his, you know, hundred mile an hour fastball and nasty slider and big celebrations on the mound and have a chance to make a little more of a name for himself on a bigger stage. I really wanted to see Mize get in the All-Star game just because that would be good for the franchise. I think a couple of uh, 
less dominant starts toward the end might have cost him that spot. I thought Scope was pretty deserving, especially after Jose Altuve dropped out, but he didn't get the nod. Overall, I, I think Soto, though, is just as deserving, if not more so, than any of those guys. Buy, sell, hold. Kyle Funkhauser as a bullpen arm, a bullpen piece of the future. Um, yeah, I'd buy it. Uh, it. There's been talk, like, would it be in the Tigers' interest to try tr- stretching this guy out as a starter again? I was never big on that, at least for this year, because he's finally having some success. Like, just don't mess with it. Let him keep pitching well. AJ Hinch today said that's kind of the plan. I wonder if that could maybe be revisited in the offseason or in spring. I think there's a chance they try stretching him out a little more again. But uh, he's shown he has good stuff. He's always had good stuff. He's finally harnessing it. Um Look, life in the bullpen, life as a reliever can be very fickle, but he has all this, the ingredients to be a good relief pitcher going forward. Uh, I don't think we need to call him a closer. I don't think we need to call him anything dominant, but a nice supplementary piece to a really good bullpen if you're trying to build this Tampa Ray Bay or Tampa, uh, you know what I'm saying, the Rays bullpen. If you're trying to follow that model, uh, having a guy like Kyle Funkhauser to be kind of your third or fourth option out of the pin is is kind of exactly what you're going for. Buy, sell, hold. Joe Jimenez, comeback player of the year for the Tigers. Comeback player of the year. Oh, for the Tigers, I guess I'm going to buy. Who else has really had a comeback year? Am I, am I mean, I, Funkhauser could, could fall into Funkhauser, that Funkhauser, yeah. I think just based on, especially if you're talking about major league level um track record and production Jimenez makes the most sense because he's been around for a while he's had his stock really fall and, and now it's back up I think he he kind of checks all those boxes that you're looking for and you know a couple guys that you know in, in Funkhauser and Jimenez who AJ got real with very quickly uh you know during spring training and and saw them respond in a positive way uh, not initially for Jimenez. It was actually really rocky when he, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he first got caught, called back up. But, you know, credit to the guy for kind of sticking with it a little bit. And, you know, I, I feel what I, what did I talk about a couple weeks ago? I, you know, sometimes you got to reset expectations and go with a little bit of a cleaner slate. You just look at him as not the former all-star or, you know, even the guy that got cut from spring training or whatever. You just look at him as like, all right, he's a guy that you feel comfortable giving a chance to. And, you know, that's from where we started this season. I mean, that that's a bit of an accomplishment. One thing to keep in mind in this sport, we spend so much time talking about, like, what does this one month stretch mean? And, and what's the roster look like in two years? And think of how much has changed since spring training or since April. So much has changed. And we're just more than halfway through this season. The second half is going to include some more ups and downs. It's going to include some guys who have really bad second halves. It's going to include some guys who have very good second halves. Uh, think about the future. Two, three years ago, we were saying, oh, Kristen Stewart's uh, your power bat in left field, and you're going to have Franklin Perez at the top of your rotation. Well, how you know how did that work out? Uh, so things change. A lot of the stuff we're talking about right now, things are going to change so much that <laughs> it probably won't even be relevant. But that's, that's what we do. Uh, we do it because it's fun. It's interesting to talk about. At the end of the day, we can never... We can just never know exactly what the future holds because things change in this game. Speaking of changes, Isak Paredes overtakes Willie Castro or Jamer Candelario's position in 2022. Um, by Paredes is getting to that point where we kind of need to see a little more out, out of them. We kind of need to see, like, are you actually going to be a piece here in the future or not? I think there have been several Tigers prospects who've kind of reached the AAA level. You're thinking they're really good, and then they've hit a little bit of a wall. Jake Rogers, Daz Cameron did a very similar thing, and then right when you were about to just totally kind of give up on those guys, they, they made some breakthroughs. Uh, we're starting to see Paredes be on a little bit of a similar trajectory. He's not performing poorly in AAA, and his own base numbers are really good, but he hasn't really shown um, what you would like at the plate in his couple of stints in the big leagues. Regardless, man, I'm tired of watching Willie Castro play the infield, and Willie Castro is also not hitting. I I think the idea of Paredes at second base long-term is starting to make a lot, a lot more sense. 
Jamer Candelario again, also such a such kind of a puzzling. Like he's a major league player. He has a future at third base. Is he like the third baseman for this organization? Man, that's a tough question. Uh, but I, I think you need to see Paredes playing in your infield a lot next year, and especially if Willie Castro does not start picking it up with his bat um, and is not among the worst infielders in all of baseball, then uh, it makes a lo- I think Paredes can be more product- productive than him for sure. Buy, sell, hold. Jonathan Scope gets traded at this year's deadline. Tough one, tough one. Uh, I'm going to sell just because... I think it's going to be tough to get much in return. I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense to trade being on an expiring one-year contract. Uh, And and the fact he might be almost pricing himself out of re-signing with the Tigers and he just switched his agent to Scott Boris. That said, how much are you going to get for a guy on a two-month deal? You're not going to get much. And at that point, I almost think it's best to keep him around and you try to re-sign him this offseason, maybe you bring him back, maybe you don't. Um, I, I think that makes just as much sense as flipping him for, you know, some kind of middling pitcher who may or may not ever be anything. In an ideal world, you get more value for scope, but I think it's it's just tough. Um, I'm going to sell it for now. That doesn't mean I, I, I'm not strong in that stance. Uh, hopefully the Tigers get a great offer for him, but that's a tough trade for anyone to pull off uh, these days. It's just tough to get much for rentals. Same question, buy, sell, hold. Jose Cisnero traded at the deadline. I'm more inclined to buy this one. Um, Again, I like the idea of keeping your strong bullpen pieces around, but Jose Cisnero is 32 years old. Uh, The chances of him actually still being a staple in your bullpen the next time the Tigers are in the playoffs is probably pretty slim. There are always teams willing to pay for bullpen help. You might not get... A ton in return, but Cisneros got really good numbers. He could be a great piece for a team such as the Astros or some other contenders out there. I'm starting to think that Cisnero is the most likely of any Tiger to get moved at the deadline. Again, it'll take an offer that makes it somewhat worthwhile. And if I'm the Chicago White Sox, I think I'm throwing a pretty good offer at Jonathan Scope because you're trying to win the World Series. You have an opening at second base. Like, if you're Jerry Reinsdorf, maybe you just go for it. Um, all that said, I think Cisnero, I'm more inclined to buy than scope uh, where we sit today. Buy, sell, hold. Baseball is cooler than basketball. Oh, big buy. <laughs> big buy. We need, to, we need to turn our attention to baseball. We got some young stars. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout play on the same team. Like Babe Ruth and Willie Mays play on the same team. And this team can't even make the playoffs. That's an amazing storyline that no one no one cares about. I was at the bar with a, a basketball writer the other day and he, he didn't know who Shohei Otani oh, was. No. I was like, Why why do you not know? Like we know who all these guys in the NBA are and we think they're the greatest thing ever and oh I'm gonna buy Kyrie Irving's shoe. Like, where are you buying Kyrie Irving's shoe? Like Shohei Otani is the most exciting athlete on earth right now. The Detroit Tigers have had two consecutive winning months and no one outside of the state of Michigan seems to really realize that this team is actually on the rise. It's silly. Baseball is cool. The pine tar checks are kind of lame. There's a lot of dumb stuff going on in the game, but this is still the coolest sport on earth. All right, and that concludes buy, sell, hold. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, we'll pro- we'll yeah, probably yeah. implement that maybe postseason sometime. Just you know, a little quick hitter stuff. Uh, kind of go over all, all over the place, but. Uh, kind of breaks up. Uh, perf- I thought it was perfect for the All Star break. So, uh, want want you to plug your projects. I want to give first. I want to give a shout out to a listener, uh, Brad Johnson, uh, connected with me via Twitter, uh, and I said I was at the the Tuesday night Rangers Tigers game. He also was. He actually lives in Austin, so I don't know how long he was, you know, up in the Dallas area or whatever. But he came up and uh, and he said, hey, you know, I'd like to meet you or whatever, and you know. Very very nice guy. We talked Tigers for the last for for the last half of the ninth inning, and uh, I don't know, just appreciate it. We, we just do this for fun, and it's not like we're celebrities or anything. But it's cool when someone appreciates your work. You know what I mean? So I want to give him a shout out. Uh, really really nice guy, and a uh, uh, and a loyal listener at that. 
So Cody, you got you mentioned a couple projects. Why don't you plug those? And then after that, even though this will publish after the draft, I want to uh, just get a prediction for the third overall pick from you, and then I'll give mine. Uh, but but uh, why don't you plug your projects that you got coming up? Yeah. Also, a quick shout out to those listeners. There were a few of you who encouraged me to keep shooting my shot last week. Let's go. <laughs> for anyone who. Uh, who listened to last week's uh, podcast, you know what that's in reference to. Pretty funny. Wasn't wasn't expecting that kind of response. So shout out to the listeners um, for some of the kind messages and words of encouragement. Um, some really good stories coming out. Uh, spent some time reporting a draft profile on Jackson Job. The Tigers may or may not draft Jackson Job. It seems like they're a little less likely to than we, they were last week when we, of course, devoted almost an entire podcast to Jackson Job, and when I spent a whole week reporting on Jackson Job, but son of professional golfer Brant Job kind of came out of nowhere, man. Really fast riser. Um, the more I dug into it, the more his kind of backstory and how crazy his slider is, it, it's a little unique in that this guy could be a top 10 pick and no one really viewed him as a top 10 pick like even six months ago. That just doesn't happen all that often. So regardless of who selects Jackson Job in the draft, uh, there will be a story that runs, uh, I think, right after he's selected. I, I hope you check it out. I think it's pretty interesting. And then I think we're looking at Tuesday. Perhaps it could get pushed to Wednesday. But uh, my story on the 50th anniversary of the 1971 All-Star Game at Tiger Stadium will be coming out. Uh, it's it's finished. It's filed. I, hopefully you guys find it very entertaining. Talk to some of the guys in that game. Vita Blue, Johnny Bench, Brooks Robinson. You get to relive some of the memories, the the six Hall of Famers who homered, the the vaunted Reggie Jackson home run is discussed in depth, along with a little backstory behind, you know, uh, behind that homer. Um, also, some stuff I didn't know. A quick teaser: Doc Ellis supposedly spiked the punch, the orange juice, at the uh, All Star luncheon before the game. He only had screwdrivers for lunch, according to uh, one of his biographers. So some great stories from Doc Ellis, some stuff I didn't know about until I started really digging into it, tried to focus on some of these fun anecdotes, behind the scenes things, and and also the fact that so many legends from that game uh, we've lost over the past couple of years of the six guys who homered, uh, only Johnny Bench and Reggie Jackson are are still living, uh, Harmon Killebrew, Roberto Clemente, Hank Aaron, and... Oh, wow, I'm forgetting the last one. Um, Frank Robinson um, have all passed on. We've lost, you know, Al Kaline and Lou Brock and Tom Seaver, so many other legends. And so talking to some of these other Hall of Famers about what what that's been like to see their friends uh, also brings a more serious and kind of emotional component. So I hope you'll check out the story, put in a, a lot of work. I think anyone who appreciates uh, baseball nostalgia or, or remembers that 71 all-star game will enjoy it. Yeah. Very much looking forward to that. So who is, you got to make your prediction now that people won't even listen to until Monday, but it'll be for the record. Who are the Tigers taking third overall? Oh, so yeah. So we get to see if I was wrong or not. Um, if I were doing a mock draft, uh, I would go Brady house. The, the people I've talked to in and around the organization have suggested that it's really been narrowed down to Job or House. It seems House has kind of pulled ahead, maybe overtaken Job. I think maybe the, the idea of taking a right-handed pitcher did indeed, right-handed high school arm, did indeed uh, maybe scare the Tigers off a little bit the more they started really breaking it down. Uh, there's still a camp really pushing for Job. And then there's the chance something crazy happens and Marcelo Meyer doesn't go number one and the Tigers get him, or maybe they can get Jack Leiter. I think those two scenarios are very much realistic and on the board. Uh, I've kind of heard that there's a lot more uncertainty in this draft than normal years. As of Thursday, a lot of agents still hadn't really been in touch with teams or, or players hadn't given their exact like financial numbers to teams yet because everyone's really trying to read what the Pirates are going to do before they put their cards on the table. So there's more uncertainty heading into this draft, so my prediction could be completely wrong. Uh, I'm going to lean Brady House, and I'm going to say that's not my favored pick. I think he has some real hitches in his swing. Look, the power potential is great. Uh, I don't know if that's who I would draft. I think a best-case scenario, Meyer or Lighter falls to you. 
But I think the most likely pick is Brady House. All right, my prediction. I'm just going to go big, man. Khalil Watson. I'm going to... Khalil Watson, get out of here. Khalil Watson. Uh, that that's uh, go go big or go home. So that's that's my bold prediction that will almost certainly be wrong. So if you haven't listened to our draft episode yet, you can go listen to that now. We recorded it right after the Tigers made their third overall selection, and we'll give just sort of like a raw analysis. It won't even really be like you know we'll just kind of hop on pretty soon afterward. Not gonna. Not going to try to overthink it. Just, you know, see how the board fell, what the Tigers uh, did, and maybe what, you know, some of the analysts said, and then just kind of go from there. And and I think it will be a lot of fun. So an, a special episode will also be in your Apple or Spotify folders on Monday morning. So thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. If you see us on the streets, you know, come say hi. If, uh, if, if you... If you feel the need to also give Cody words of encouragement, please do that too because ain't none wrong with shooting your shot, man. Ain't none wrong with shooting your shot. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the All-Star break, the All-Star game, and we will talk to you next time. For Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. 